right into this good stuff right here in a minute. I'm going to set these up here. Don't want them to distract you. We're, uh, we're going to celebrate a few of our Love the City volunteers here in a little bit. Um, but first, man, I'm excited to, to jump into God's Word today. So we're going to be continuing through uh, Philippians, and we'll be finishing up chapter 3 and uh, kind of hitting the first verse of chapter 4 today. And man, I'm, I'm excited for this passage specifically because this is something that, uh, man, God has just weighed on my heart um, for the last few months specifically. And uh, I think this is something that is not just beneficial for myself, but beneficial for all of us. And the reason for that is because, um, man, I, I am convinced from scriptures, from the scriptures that, uh, man, we, we are designed and we were created by God for a purpose. Um, every single person, every man and woman and child in this room, back in our kids' area, we have all been designed and created for a purpose. That's something that just drives us. That's something that, uh, man, gets us up every day. Now, depending on what that purpose is and how we view our purpose and the goal that we are um, pressing on forward in our life, that will kind of determine the tangible, specific things in our day-to-day -day life that we chase after. Now, Paul is, a uh, man, talk about the, the most encouraging guy, obviously apart from Jesus in the Bible. Paul is just a, an amazing dude. I mean, this guy um, went from being someone who, man, just persecuted the church, who was so passionate and prideful of the traditions and the ways for him to be uh, close with God through his actions, um, and Jesus waking his heart up, giving him a heart transformation, and then turning from his old ways, his sin, to someone who pressed on to make the gospel known in other people's lives, to make the gospel known so that they would have the same transformation. This is why Paul existed. This is, this is his existence. So everything he deposited into his life, into his daily life, to the local churches and the people and the lives that he poured into was for this reason. So that not only himself, that he would be transformed to be made more like Jesus, but that other people would be transformed to be made more like, like Jesus. This is his, his life purpose. Everything he did was for this reason. And I believe that, man, this is our purpose as a church, as individuals. This is why we exist. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. We have all chased different purposes and goals apart from Jesus in our life. And we know that even if they, they seem okay on the forefront, man, they'll just leave us more exhausted, more tired, more, more strained. But rather when God takes hold of our lives and Jesus transforms our heart, when our purpose becomes the purpose that we see in Paul and ultimately the purpose that we see in Jesus in his life, man, our life is full of the Spirit. It's full of life giving itself. And uh, man, I hope that today when we leave here, um, that our, our purpose, my hope for, for, those, uh, for those of us in here who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus, Man, that our purpose, we would be reminded of that in Christ. And that those of you who are here, maybe you're just trying to seek this stuff out for the first time. Maybe somebody drug you here, maybe you found us online, or maybe you didn't even know we were at church and you're walking by, you're like, hey, I wonder what's going on here. I pray that um, Jesus would be made known in your heart today and that your purpose would be in him. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to, uh, to jump into the passage. God, I, uh, I just thank you for today. I thank you for... Um, just the ability that we get to, uh, to wake up, to 
um, man, see the sun shining, the sun that you created, and God, that we get to sit under your word. God, we get to sit under the scriptures, and uh, Lord, I just pray that you would teach us today. God, that um, not only would you teach us, but that our hearts and our eyes would just be open and submitted to you, Lord, um, that you would continue to transform us during this time by your word, and that we would leave here encouraged and, uh, Lord, just uh, diligent and excited in the next steps that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, I flipped open to Romans. We are not going through Romans today. We're in Philippians chapter 3. So, um, to backtrack a little bit, um, last week, um, Paul ended kind of with this very thought of his purpose. His purpose, starting in verse 10, he says, "...that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead." Every day, Paul he is pressing on towards this goal that one day he knows he'll be totally transformed into the likeness, into the image of Jesus. And so his hope is not only for himself, but for others around him. And so starting in verse 12, I'm just going to read through this entire passage, and then we'll go back through and we'll pick it apart. Starting in verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained." Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God or their, their idol is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, so that by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself, so therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, who I long for my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So Paul obviously stating his purpose and his very existence to attain the resurrection from the dead. That one day he would be made in the image of Jesus, perfect and pure and sinless, being able to love God and love others without any blemish, without any sin. And his hope is the same for others. But he starts off here recognizing and letting those around him know that he has not yet attained that, that Paul is not yet perfect. Now, you backtrack again in Paul's life and I know for me, even though I know I've been cleared of my sin and that God has forgiven me and that by his grace I get to walk in newness of life, man, there's things that still, that still weigh on my shoulders from my past at times. There's still things that you know, will, will, will attack me and man, I'll feel down. And I'm sure, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way at times. That we still look back maybe at whether it's our past sin or our past struggles or maybe circumstances that we had no control over but that have 
crept into our lives, that have attacked our lives and our family, man, those things are tough. Paul is no different. He's a dude. He's a human being just like us. He feels these things. So he knows, probably in his eyes, more so than anyone, that, man, he is not perfect. He has not yet attained the perfection that one day we will all have in Christ. But he says that he presses on for it. And he wants his readers to know that because Paul is like the dude. And I'm sure other people hearing this from Paul, they're like, man, you know what? If Paul doesn't have it all figured out, I know I don't have it figured out either. This is not only that I, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So he understands, and this is something important for us, that, man, we exist for our very lives to, to pursue Jesus every single day. And even though as we look back on our lives or back in, in previous situations, or maybe something we're going through right now, that those things do not define who we are. We have been made new in Christ, and we can press on forgetting the things that used to entangle us and separate us from Jesus, forgetting the things that would bury us in pain and suffering. Not forget them in the sense that we just never remember them. I mean, we have complex brains. We, we, we don't usually forget things in our life that have had big impacts, positive or negative. But the forgetting part here is not so much letting it leave our brains, but more so of instead of clinging to that and allowing those things to maybe rule our lives or rule our present condition, we trust in the cross of Christ. We look at the cross and we see what Jesus had gone through, the pain that he had took for us, the suffering that he endured for us, our sin upon him, our sufferings upon him, taking that for us, that allows us to look at our present condition and say, there is hope. I can press on. I can move forward. I think that there's something valuable for that for us. Like, I know for me, man, sometimes I, I desire a challenge. I desire to not have it all figured out because I have to lean on Jesus who does have it all figured out. I desire to, to press on no matter the difficulties. Do I ask for all the, the, the bad things in life to happen? No, but when they come, man, I'm reminded that it is Jesus who holds my present and my future. I can press on because those things pre preserve in us and, and they build up an endurance an endurance to, to love Jesus, an endurance to continue to follow Jesus, no matter our circumstances. Even though it's a challenging thing, that's something that, man, we, we're designed for. So to, to chase and pursue our purpose in Christ, even when the harshest of things happen, even when our sin may make us feel like it, it holds us back to the point where Jesus can't use us, we get to press on. We get to press on in Christ. So he lets them know that not only are we not perfect, not only have we not made it yet, but we can press on forward. No matter our current struggles, we can forget what's behind us and we can reach out to the future goal. You know, a few years ago when, when we moved up here from, from Charleston, um, man, I was like, I'm not going to lie, like, I let myself go. I was, I was pretty overweight. If, if present me in 2021 went back to the Army I would have, man, they would have just kicked me out. 
they would have said, get the heck out of here. You, you don't belong. And so I was like, man, I don't feel good. Like, I'm not sleeping good. I don't have, like, great energy throughout the day. So I was like, you know what? Like, I just, I, I want to get myself right again. Not just to, you know, have the way that I had or whatever, but just to feel better. Because I want to pursue my purpose in Christ, and I can do that. I can love my family really well when I have energy to do so. I can love others really well. I can meet with others. I, I can do things for Christ, man, when I take care of myself. But through that process, man, it was tough. There were times where, I, man, I love sweets. And so there were times where, man, I would have a great day. Then at nighttime, man, Keebler cookies, done. Take them all out. I'm eating them all. But, you know, but you continue to press on. You continue to push forward. Now, that is a silly analogy compared to the, the, the seriousness of our purpose in Christ. But, man, we don't have it figured out. We're not going to always have our best day. But on our best day or our worst day, the grace of Christ and the punishment that he has taken for us, and because he rose from the grave, man, we are his. He loves us on our worst. He loves us on our best. And we can pursue him, straining forward and pressing on for him. It's God's grace through Jesus that allows us to forget what's behind us and move forward. Like how God forgives and forgets our sin, not that it just loses from his mind and just doesn't remember what happened, but he chooses to love us and to help us press on despite of our past or current situation. And so I was looking up um, kind of the, the, the words being used here for, for pressing on stuff because Paul is repeating himself a few times. And I found it unique. Um, the, the, the Greek word, the root word for pressing on is dioko. And uh, this word was used also as Paul in Acts 9 when Jesus um, confronted Paul as Paul was um, chasing down Christians to bring him back and put him under trial in Jerusalem. And he was persecuting the church with a passion and a desire to do nothing else but to take them, to try them, to kill them, to get rid of them, and to get rid of this Jesus. And Jesus confronts him and blinds Paul from this light, and he asks him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Now that same wordplay is used here for pressing on. And so in one point in Paul's life, he is pressing the Christians in a way to try to get rid of them. He is disobeying God. He is walking as an enemy of the cross, and he is pressing with passion and zeal and desire to see the Christian faith extinguished. But now, since Christ has transformed his heart and brought him from death to life, he is now pressing with the same passion, the same energy, the same love and zeal to now not only see his heart transformed, but to see other people transformed. He wants nothing more than to press on to see other people at the end, as we'll go through. But I'll say it now, man, they, his people in the church of Philippi, they were his crown and his joy. He, he existed for them. He existed for them. He pressed on so that they would become more like Jesus. Not that they would live better lives. Not that they would look better on the outside. But that their hearts would be changed. That their hearts would be transformed. That their rest would be in Jesus. That they wouldn't have to chase after useless things in this life. Different purposes and goals that, that don't add up left feeling exhausted and tired and always needing more, always wanting more. He desired for them to be transformed so their rest would be in Jesus in the way that God has intended for us to be in the first place, the way he has designed us. To see that change, man, Paul is so passionate about this that every deposit he made, everything he, every suffering that he had taken on, 
was for this purpose, to press on in such a way where he would be more transformed and those around him would be. And this isn't something that started with Paul. This was Jesus' purpose. This is why Jesus came to where we are. This is why Jesus got himself put on flesh and walked amongst us, his own creation, so that we would have transformation in our heart, that we would have a heart change, so that way we could now have a relationship with God whom we're unable to apart from Christ. This was his purpose, to transform us so that not only we would just sit here and be like, yeah, man, I'm saved. Hope Jesus comes sometime soon. But know that every day of our lives, we would live with a passion and a zeal and a desire to press on forward to see others transformed in the image of Jesus. This was his desire. And not only his desire for himself, but his desire for other people. So Paul encourages the church. He says, not only did this start with Jesus, not only is this the way that I'm living my life, but this is how I want you to live your life. Because you're capable of it, because the Spirit lives in you. You are capable to live for this godly purpose because the Holy Spirit lives in you. You don't just need someone speaking words to you for you to have your purpose. Like You have the Holy Spirit in you to guide you by God's Word to live out this purpose. So he encourages the church to pursue the same purpose. We go back through and in verse 15 he says, so let those of us who are mature, or I'll go back to 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, well, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So he's letting them know, man, you guys are capable of doing this. What does it take? What does it take for you to walk in the same purpose in Christ? Well, man, maturity and perfection. Now, when you first look at that, you're like, oh, I can't live up to that. Paul's already saying that. He hasn't attained it. Paul already said that he's not perfect. How am I supposed to walk in maturity and perfection? Those two words go together. When he uses maturity and perfection, they're the same thing. And what Paul is talking about here is that to be mature and perfect in Christ means that we have to admit that we're not mature or perfect in Christ, that we don't have it all figured out yet. There's a humility that comes with that. You know, when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and he tells his disciples that in order for them to inherit the kingdom of God, they have to be better than the Pharisees. They have to be perfect. Well, the Pharisees from the outside were, I mean, they were pretty stinking good. I'm not going to lie. They, they did everything pretty darn well. But the one thing they did not have was a transformed heart to do that out of a love for God rather than out of an, um, a way to earn his love. And so Jesus told them, do you know what's even more of a miracle for you than to just do the right things? It's for your heart to be changed. That's what has to happen. Our hearts have to be changed. And so as he's speaking here, for us to be mature and perfect in Christ— Man, we have to have a transformed heart. And that comes with admitting that as our hearts are being transformed by Jesus, we're not going to be perfect. We're still going to sin. We're still going to fall short. Now, as Paul says in, to the Roman church, this does not give us the um, freedom to sin by no means, but this allows us to live by the grace of the cross rather than by our own works. 
Paul understands the calling that is on his life and that is on the church in Philippi's life, that is on our life today in 2023. This is the calling that God has placed on us. He has called us to us. Isn't that crazy? Before the foundations of the earth, he has planned for us to be made in the image of his son Jesus and for Jesus to be glorified above all else. And his plan is perfect and true and good. And for us today, God has called us imperfect people, fallen people, people who, man, we have not attained, we have not um, perfected this life that God has called us to be at God's call, his desire, his passion, his love for us to press on towards us, to bring us in a relationship with him. It's our calling, but we also have a response, a response in play. I'll go back to um, verse 9. Um, yeah, well, yeah, verse 9 in chapter 3 that Matthew went through last week, Paul says, um, to be and found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the, righteous from, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Everything that he is trying to attain, everything that he is trying to perfect is done through the grace of Jesus. The faith that we even have in Jesus is not on our own, but it is a tool that God gives us by his grace for us to trust in him and walk with him. But there's a response on our end. We do have to act. There is an active, um, we are actively awaiting Jesus to return. We're not sitting idly by, lazy. We're actively waiting. We're pursuing the transformation that Jesus has to offer us every day. We're pursuing that for our brothers and sisters in our lives but we're doing so by the grace that Jesus has given us. We have a responsibility. And Paul says, and the first part of that is recognizing that, man, we're not perfect. You are not perfect. To humbly submit ourselves under the cross and under Jesus, and to recognize that we're not perfect yet, but that we're aspiring to be that way, we're attaining that, we're, we're running after that, we're pressing on for that. Man, that is where you want to be. I want, I want to learn from somebody. I want to follow somebody who that's how their life is lived. And man, my prayer is that my life would reflect that to those around me. And then Paul goes on. He says, for, for those of you who don't agree with this, it's all right. I believe God will work that out. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, God will work that out. So that means that when we're caring for other people, when we're walking with other people, and there's some things that, man, they might, you know, knock us the wrong way, or it might be tough walking with some of the things that, that maybe they're, they're responding with or some things that we see in their heart. It's okay. Deal gently with them. Love them. Care for them. Because guess what? God's doing the same to you, and somebody that's walking with you is doing the same as well. We're never as good as we think we are. And as soon as we are as good, or as soon as we think we are as good as we are, or I probably jumbled that up, but as soon as we think we're as good as we want to be or whatever, God reminds us we're not. And I was driving down 85 a few weeks ago, and man, that's just a, it's a crazy time. Every day is a new experience on 85. I thought 26 was bad whenever we would drive up from Charleston, but 85 is, it's a new animal. And so I'm driving a fast lane, probably going maybe a little bit slower, 10 over than what people would want. And a car zips in front of me, and of course, they have a dealer's tag. And so whenever somebody whips in front of you with a dealer's tag, you're like, yeah, okay, that guy, you know. And, uh, you know, a missing mirror, kind of a banged up car. And, man, my heart just judged him. And uh, so I was just like, gosh, man, like, no wonder his, his car's a little banged up and stuff. And so 
you drive in like that, and uh, never try to settle a dispute on the road. It's worse than social media. Just everybody's mad. Just don't even get mad about it. So anyways, I park downtown. I get out of my car, and I look at my front bumper, and I, I'm, re I'm reminded that my front bumper's held up by three ropes. And so I'm like, oh, man, as I'm just, like, making fun of this dude, <laughs> I drive in front of, or he pulls in front of me. He's probably like, gosh, man, no wonder this guy's bumper's held up by three ropes, like, He's probably, you know, he's driving too slow, making people stop in front of him. So anyways, it was a great reminder that um, we are never as good as we think we are. And as soon as we think we are, God will humble us. And so, man, when we're walking with him and our aim and we're pressing on, and man, we, hey, God's working great in my life. I'm doing, man, I'm doing everything right. I feel like everything's going good. Like, God, I think I've made it. Guess what? I haven't. You haven't. Jesus hasn't returned yet. We haven't gone to the grave. We haven't gone to be with Jesus. So until he returns, Man, as we lead and love others, as we lead and love those in our life, we must be reminded that to pursue perfection in Christ is recognizing that we aren't there yet. But one day, we will be when Jesus returns. And so how do we pursue this? How do we pursue our goal and our purpose? Paul lays out, this is my purpose. This is my goal for life. This is, this is what I aspire to do. I'm not there yet, but I, I hope you tag along with me and do this too. This is what it means for you. Now, what does this practically look like in your lives? Starting off in verse 17, he says, Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears in my eyes, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Paul says, you want to know how to practically live this out? Man, follow me. Follow, follow the way that I pursue maturity and perfection in Christ. Follow how I pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus, first of all, but pursue how Jesus has been working in my life. And not, and not only me, but other people. Look at your brothers and sisters in Christ and see how they are living and pursuing their relationship with Jesus. See how they, their, their humility submitted under Christ. They recognize, man, like, I'm not perfect yet, but I'm working that way. Through the grace of Christ, I'm working to become more like Jesus. Aspire to be like those who follow Christ who, man, they, they will not budge. They will, they, they will stand firm. They will hold the line in their relationship with Jesus, in their faith, with their gentleness, with their humility, with their love, but also with their mindset that, man, that they, they will hold the line. They will follow Jesus, whatever it takes. They are willing to give up everything. And this is why Paul, even though he admits he's not perfect, Paul does feel pretty good about himself in the fact that he knows that he's doing things right. And he's confident about that. Not arrogant, not, not sinful, but he's confident that Jesus is working well in his life. And so he's saying, look, I'm telling you I'm not perfect, but I'm confident enough to say, come, come follow me and imitate me. You'll see my struggles. You'll see my, my faults. You'll see how I fall short. But more importantly, in my weakness, you will see Christ. And you'll see how he is transforming me day by day. And Paul is willing to give up everything for this purpose. His own life. He's willing to be shipwrecked. He's willing to get diseases, get sick. He's willing to go to his death. He's willing to be stoned on behalf of those who are his joy in his crown. This is his desire, whatever it takes. His life purpose is for the church, for them. 
So us as Christians, this, this is no different for, for us today in 2023. We exist so that Jesus would transform our hearts and that we would see him transform others through our work in their lives as well. And it will cost us everything. You know, as Matthew spoke last week, we don't live in an area necessarily of persecution like you find in other parts of the world. But man, we're at a daily war even within ourselves every day. That the spirit that lives in us is fighting our flesh and we have to choose. We don't sit idly by and just, you know, hey, God's grace, he'll do whatever he wants. Like we have to actively pursue Jesus. Pursue this transformation that he's making in our hearts, that he's actively working in our hearts. We have to choose that day by day. We have to give up anything that doesn't draw us closer to Jesus. This doesn't, if this doesn't make me look more like Jesus, if this doesn't give me rest in Jesus, we don't need it. Cut it off. That'll not only bring us closer to Jesus, sit us at his feet to receive more of his grace through his word and through the worship of, with our brothers and sisters and the work that we get to do for him, but man, that'll allow us to love and care and lead others well in how God has intended us. To stand firm, to imitate Paul in that way. He says, be careful. You must choose who you imitate. Because just as there are those, the right ones to imitate and to follow, there's also the wrong ones. In fact, some of the wrong ones I have told you about previously, and I speak about again with tears in my eyes, that they have walked away from the cross of Christ. They, they defile it. They reject it. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with, the, with their minds set on earthly things. There are people who will try to lead you astray, and it's not just people who blatantly are against God. It can't even be people who mask themselves as Christians. People who might live legalistically to a point to where their salvation is built up in their works will try to lead you down a path of legalism to where you can earn your salvation. That separates you from the grace of Christ giving us his righteousness. Or, maybe in this context, Paul's speaking more on those who aren't of the Jewish faith or aren't claiming to be Jewish Christians, but they're just Gentiles who don't serve the one and true God. They're people who, man, they, they despise the cross, they reject it, and they also live in their own ways that completely defy the transformation that Jesus is making in our hearts. Watch out for those people. Ask for God to give you discernment. Talk to brothers inside of our faith family, our leaders, to help walk with the right people so that way the transformation that is being made is done well. It's done from the beauty of the cross of Christ. He doesn't just say that these people are walking away from Jesus. He said they're walking away from the gospel, from the cross of Christ. They're, they're, they're putting their hope and their faith either in their own works or some other way, and they're, they're denying and they're rejecting the cross. They're rejecting the gospel. Run away from those people. Get away from them. And something that I ask myself, and this is something that can be very uncomfortable, is, God, don't let me be that person. Don't let me be someone who's, who's leading somebody just, just to do better works, just to look like a better person, or leading them in, in a wrong direction. God, take those things away from my mind, away from my heart. Help me lead well with maturity and perfection. Again, not that I am perfect, but God, that I aspire and I press on for it to be that way. 
It's easy for us to fall in those traps. So not only must we recognize that in others and make sure that we're following others well, but we must make sure that we're not leading other people in that way either. People say, or Paul says their end is destruction, eternal death. People, people will eternally be destroyed under God's wrath forever. That's what their end is. Their idol or their God or what they live for is their belly or whatever satisfies them. And they glory or they brag about their shame. They brag about their sin. It's okay. Jesus will you know, let you live this lifestyle, let you live that. Let you do this. Let you act that way. It's okay. Paul's saying, run away from that. Imitate me. Look at me as a standard because I am pursuing Christ with humility, with surrender, but with passion and with zeal. He says, and lastly, that their minds are set on earthly things. In Colossians, he he tells the church, man, don't set your mind on earthly things. Set your mind on heavenly things. Set your mind on beautiful things that are from heaven, not from below. It's easy for me to get caught up in earthly things, even things that don't necessarily seem bad or aren't bad in and of themselves. But when those things become my priority and start um, kind of shaping my mind, man, I don't, I don't look like Jesus. Set our minds on heavenly things. He said these people, their minds are never set on on heavenly things, only earthly things, only things that concern themselves, and they brag about it. This is their lifestyle. He says, but our citizenship, moving forward, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, from heaven, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Because we belong to Jesus, man, we live for heaven. We belong to heaven. We have been redeemed by Jesus. He has changed us. He has saved us. He has redeemed us. We don't belong here. We don't belong in this world. This is not our home. And I think that's why Paul was so, like, he was such a great person to be used from by God was because he was, he was just so free in his relationship with Jesus. He did not belong to this world. He belonged to God and his mission and his purpose to see himself and others transformed in Jesus. So everything that he did fell in line with this. He was so free to do it. It was his joy to live this calling out and to live his purpose out. Because he knew that his citizenship was not here on earth, but it was in heaven with Christ who awaits us. And this Jesus who awaits us, our citizenship, that's an important thing. You go back, uh, you know, to Paul's time. If you didn't have proper citizenship, it, man, it was dangerous. It was hard. For us and our citizenship, it's like if you go overseas somewhere and you need to, uh, you know, you, you go to an NBC, you'll go somewhere to, you know, check up or to, to, to re-up on... Um, I don't even know what's called your ability to be over there. It's important that you belong somewhere and you belong to something. And in a community of people, in, in, a, in a civilization, man, we operate by rules and regulations. We operate in a way that that um, society lives by, to be a part of that. Paul says, by living for Jesus in his kingdom and being citizens of heaven, man, we're not going to live for this world. In fact, we're going we're gonna to stick out like a sore thumb in this world because we're not a part of this civilization. We're not a part of this world. We belong to heaven. And the more that we pursue Jesus, the more that we pursue to be transformed by him, to look like him and to transform others, 
the more we're going to stick out and the more the pressure there might be on us. The more pressure there might be for us just to kind of fit in with the world. The more pressure there might be for us to, um, man, maybe not share the gospel with this person because we're, we're, we're afraid of what they might think of us. Or to boldly just, man, talk about the joy and the rest we have in Jesus. Paul says, don't worry about that. Our citizenship is in heaven. We don't exist for this place. We, we may live, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Heck, you can live to 200 years old, and that still doesn't compare to eternity and to the perfect transformation and perfection that we will have in Christ. We don't belong here, but yet we're called to live here. So Paul's reminding them, hey, as you pursue Christ, as you lead others to pursue Christ, remember, you don't belong to this world. You belong, you belong to Jesus. And that even means that some of the, the worldly things that are good, that our identity isn't built up in those either. That we recognize that no matter what authority is set over us on earth, no matter what things that we get to be a part of on earth, even though they may be good, they may have some biblical things, they ultimately are not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus, and all things have been subjected under his feet. He has authority over all things. We are citizens of heaven, not citizens of this world. So remember, pursue Christ. Pursue him to be transformed, to transform others. Man, what does this look like? Follow those in your life who imitate Jesus well. Who, who in your life can, can you go and approach this week and ask to start meeting with, to start reading the Bible with, to start helping with some area in your life that you're navigating through, that you're working through? What does it look like for you this week to maybe go and approach somebody? And say, hey man, you know what? I'll love to meet with you if you have the time. For, for you to pour into them as Jesus continues to pour into us. And last but not least, Paul calls the church and calls us today to stand firm as we pursue this perfection and this maturity in Jesus, as we do so by imitating other Christians, faithful Christians around us. Man, stand firm. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. I want you to stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Man, Paul loves these people. He loves them so much, and he, he wants them to stand firm in their faith. He wants them to hold the line. And this isn't just a, a physical thing. This is, this is a spiritual thing that, man, in order for us to stand firm and walk in perfection and maturity in Jesus, we have to admit some days, God... My heart and mind is just having a hard time to even desire you today, to pursue you, to pursue your word, to pursue your ways. Being, being just completely vulnerable and open before God, sometimes that, that's just what it means for us in our day, to stand firm in our faith, to stand firm in still following Jesus no matter the cost. You know, when you, when you read through Joshua, the, the, the phrase or the words that are um, repeated in there are, you know, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And, you know, a lot of times it's easy for me to think, you know, yeah, be strong and courageous. Stand up for, you know, for the gospel. Do what's right. But what God's calling his people to is standing firm or staying, standing strong and courageous in his word. Following God's design, following his word, no matter what pressure is around you, no matter what it is. 
God says, you are incapable of conquering this land. You are incapable of doing what I've called you to do. In fact, I have gone before you. I have solved all of your problems and all the issues that you can't solve yourself. I'm just asking you to trust in me, to stand firm and trust in me. And that hasn't changed in Paul's day, and that hasn't changed in our day. For us to stand firm means that even in the hardest of moments, in the lowest of moments, for us to stand firm in keeping God's design, in pursuing Jesus. Man, I can't stress that enough. It is such a privilege for us as Christians to be able to be keepers and shepherds of God's word and God's design for us in our life. That way we may share that with other people, lead other people in that. From the very beginning, we see, man, God, God has created us to be keepers of his word, to be keepers of his way. Now, obviously, we can't do that perfectly. That's why our works go along, first of all, with our faith and the grace that Jesus gives us. By the cross, by his death, by his resurrection, by him claiming victory over our sin, over the death that we deserve, and over the grave that he has conquered that. And because of him, we can walk by grace in faith and in Christ. Stand firm. So how can we posture our hearts to do this this week? What does this look like for us? Well, one, I'd say, again, man, find a mature believer. I know community groups are, are technically out of session this summer, but um, somebody from your community group or somebody that you know will be in your group this coming up fall, man, ask them, hey, can I start meeting with you? Or if you know somebody from a different community group, man, can I start meeting with you and start reading the Bible together? We, we've been having these discipleship groups meet up for some time now, and man, it has been so good. It's been so good. My, my heart has been transformed. I know Jesus is working through the person that I get to meet with to, to make me more look, look like Jesus and vice versa the other way. Ask somebody, man, I want to look more like Jesus. I want to pursue Jesus. Please help me do that. Or maybe you need to find somebody that you can pour into, somebody that you can pour your life into, somebody that you can invite in and show them that, hey, as I, as I follow Jesus, as I pursue this perfection in Christ, I know one day it's coming. Jesus is coming. He's bringing his kingdom is the, the new heavens, the new earth to us. But until then, man, as you watch me follow Jesus, come. Just watch my life. Maybe that's you. One thing I think we can all do for sure is sit down this week, whether it's by yourself, with your family, with somebody from your community group, somebody from our faith family. And I just want you to write out your purpose. According to what we see in the scriptures, man, why do I exist? Write it down and put it in a sentence. Why do I exist? What is my purpose in life? And how can I deposit everything in my life for this purpose? That could be a great way to maybe write that out and say, you know what? I want to be able to navigate this part of my life a little bit better to pour into my purpose in Christ. Let me go ask somebody. So maybe that's the first step you do. You sit down, you just write, man, what is my purpose? For families, what is our purpose as a family? Where are we driving to? Where are we going? How can we deposit our life into this day by day to be transformed by Jesus so that way we can transform others? How does everything in your life fall into the purpose that you have in Christ? We need to be reminded of that, church, every day as Christians because it's so easy for myself, I'm sure for you guys as well, to, to get off track. But man, Christ will, will reign us in, he'll pull us in, but we need each other. 
We need to continue to walk with each other well in that. Maybe you're here today and um, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and um, Jesus has been pulling on your heart, or maybe you're just trying to figure out what this means, or maybe you're walking through something in your life that you can't make sense of. Man, we are glad you are here. We are glad that you are able to sit in and, and uh, for God to speak to you in your heart. And I pray that, man, maybe, maybe you need to go home and just write down, what is my purpose in general? Why do I think I exist? Myself, Matthew, our elders, man, we, we love to, to sit down and walk with you through that of, man, what does your purpose look like for you in your life? What does God say about who he is and about who you are according to the scriptures? I'm going to call a few individuals up. They all love attention, so this is very easy for them to come up here. I'm joking. They're the most humblest people I know. Um, if Amy Whitman would like to come on up here, I can see the look on their face already. Um, Kathy Rastatter, Amanda Stuckey, and Ginger Mages, if, if you're here today, uh, I'd love for you guys just to come on up. Um, these are, uh, man, it has been just such a joy to serve with these individuals. I can't wait to, to share a little bit more about this. Yeah, that's right. Um, man, so uh, as, as you guys know, uh, man, we, we get to partner with a few different um, folks in our community and in our city to, man, as Jesus is transforming us, we get to just be a part of seeing um, Jesus transform other people's. And one of those partnerships is a small school called Legacy K4. And about two years ago, um, as we were serving at the elementary, bringing them breakfast one random day, um, uh, the principal was like, hey, the K4 school down the road is kind of brand new, and they don't have any school or churches that are sponsoring them. And so we're like, yeah, let's jump on it. And for about almost a year straight, the only thing we were able to do was just drop off breakfast. That was it, in and out. And after a while, it's like, man, it's kind of, can be kind of frustrating at times. Um, but man, we pressed on. We continued to just trust in God that he would open doors for us. And now every month, um, our volunteers here go into Legacy K4 two times a month to take an hour or so out of their day and to um, pour into the lives of the teachers, of the staff, and of the, of the young scholars there. And uh, last fall, we've had about, uh, I think it was like 14 or 15 staff members leave in September. And so, you know, for different reasons, it was tough. And it was like, oh, man, that is like super crazy. Um, but I checked in uh, with the director, the new director for this year, and she said that, man, everybody's coming back. Everybody's coming back. And they gained a couple more staff members. And, um, you know, as I told our volunteers, like, um, even though we, we may feel like we didn't have a whole lot to do with it, I, I believe that God worked through that for the consistency that we're able to just, man, share love and support and care of them. They know that they're loved there. Even the security guard that sits out front, like he knows that he's cared for. And so I tell you, like, man, we, this would not be able to happen without you guys. And so I'm so grateful for you. And this is just a, a perfect example of um, God pouring into us and how we get to utilize the gifts that he has given us to pour into others. And so we have these hourglasses here. I don't know what your favorite color is, but we have blue and we have green. And uh, man, set this up on your desk or hang it from the mirror in your car and just flip it every once in a while just to be a great reminder that, uh, man, as God pours into you and as somebody in your life is poured into you, you get to keep doing that um, at Legacy and with other people um, in your life. And so, man, I, again, I can't say it enough. Like, I'm, I'm so 
like, proud and so thankful for, like, what we're able to do at Legacy, and that's not possible without these guys. So let's go ahead and give them a hand. And, uh, and then I'm also going to pray for, for you guys as we continue to serve the school, and then Matthew's going to come up with some ending, ending, ending announcements. Let's pray. God, we just, uh, we thank you uh, for who you are. God, we, we thank you for transforming us, for making us uh, look more and more like your son Jesus. We know we're not perfect yet, but we know that we aspire to be. We know that we press on to be. And God, I thank you that we get to do that at Legacy. I thank you that we get to um, share um, the love and the hope that you have for us with them through our acts of service for them, through our gentle spirits. Um, God, these, these um, volunteers here, um, man, just thank you for them. Lord, thank you that, uh, man, they, they take time out of their day, out of their week, um, amongst their schedules, God, to be where you are and to, to serve um, where you have called us to serve. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would be with them, encourage their minds, encourage their hearts as we get to embark on another school year and serve legacy well. And uh, God, that uh, as the fruits come and as we see, um, man, how, how you are working all this out, God, that you would be glorified in it and um, that you would give them rest. And uh, Lord, just uh, thank you for them. Thank you ultimately for your son, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.